What's up, fight fans? I'm Edward Snowden's lookalike, flying Brian J for MMAmania.com. I'm here with Wesley Riddle from MMAsucka.com to break down some of our best of the year 2016. It was a great trip around the sun, a lot of excitement. Wesley Riddle is going to introduce himself right now and let you know where you can follow him on all of social media while I pour myself a ding-dang drink because this is one of my gimmicks. I like to drink a little bit of gimmick, y'all. Wesley, what's up, my friend? Oh, man, I'm pretty pumped to do this show. What's happening, guys? Uh, thanks, Brian, for having me on. Um, so my name is Wes Riddle. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I do a lot of stuff on Twitter, um, and you can catch me over there on that social media platform at all that MMA. I do a lot of conversation with some of the people that follow me and some of the people that I follow in return. have a lot of fun with that. I also do some writing for the website MMASucker.com. You can find some of the stuff that I do over for that website. also have myself traditional yingling that i'm going to be cracking open momentarily while i'll let you talk and once again i appreciate you having me on to wrap up this fantastic year of mixed martial arts that we had for those of you who don't know yingling is the oldest brewery in the country right wes yes it is That's and it's right. fantastic I'm drinking, I'm drinking an accumulation white ipa by new belgium out of fort collins colorado anyway you guys are here to listen about a little bit of mixed martial arts talk here are the categories that Wes and I are going to go over. Our WTF of the year, fighter, upset, newcomer, top prospect, best fight, worst fall from grace, oh no. Most successful division change, best knockout, best submission, best round, best UFC event, best quote, and somewhere in the mix there, Wesley and I are going to predict how many champions that are currently having the belt wrapped around their waist will still have it this time next year so wesley let's get into this with a fun category i wanted to start it off with our wtf of the year being that you're my guest i'm gonna let you go first what is your wtf of the year awesome i really appreciate it uh first so let's start off there's been a lot of i feel like wtfs we can talk about that happened this year uh pretty crazy year probably one of the craziest and most entertaining and wild years i feel like mixed martial arts in the ufc that we've had um in a long, long time, maybe ever. Um, but for me, I, when we were talking about this a little bit earlier, the one that I thought of um, for WTF of the year happened pretty recently. I guess it was about a month ago between um, Jake Ellenberger and Jorge Masvidal fighting in the welterweight division on one of the cards. I think it might have been three fights before the main event. Uh, the fight was pretty good up until uh, a weird moment. They both had some moments in the fight where they had um, – Control. I think Ellenberger was able to push forward a couple times. Masvidal, a lot of people, of course, picked him. Ellenberger has kind of been on a downfall. And unfortunately, he had a situation that came up with probably about a minute left in the fight. He ended up uh, getting his toe uh, stuck in the cage for the first time ever. And it's kind of awkward because he's trying to get – I guess I don't remember who the ref was. I think it might have been Herb Dean. Um, but he was trying to get the ref – to stop the fight uh, or just to call it off because he's saying that his toe got stuck. But Masvidal, of course, attacked her. I guess it was her. I'm going to say it was her. I can't remember. Um, he attacked and pretty much stopped the fight, and he had to wave it off. And uh, the win was awarded for Jorge Masvidal. Um, shouldn't have really been a TKO via punches. I think it was more of a TKO via fence hold. Um, I think that might be a, a better way to say it. But um, definitely a, a WTF. That was a really weird moment. And probably one of the the oddest that we've seen that has happened inside of the cage. Yeah, TKO via fence, WTF. Uh, my WTF of the year. I'm kind of giving, painting it with a broad brush here, a broad stroke. Mine is kicking non-fighters after the fight is over. So there are two things that we can talk about: Roy Nelson kicking Big John McCarthy, and then his apology that followed. WTF, man. Uh, if you don't know what happened there. Roy Nelson knocked out Bigfoot Silva. They're kind of friends. And Big John didn't stop the fight up to Nelson's standards or whatever. And then Nelson gave him a kick to the ass. And then to reduce his fine, I think it was the Nevada State Athletic Commission said he had to apologize publicly. So he's like, hey, guys, uh, I'm sorry, but I'd probably do it again. And he got his fine lesson. So that was stupid right there. And then, of course, the infamous moment where Fabricio Vicavallo Verdum kicked – or, yeah, he put – a push kick at Targaryen, Ronda Rousey's coach. So that was a really, really WTF moment. Hopefully in 2017, we don't have anybody kicking non-fighters, especially after the final bell. Quickly, I'm looking at the 
YouTube chat right now. If you're here and you want to get in a comment what you think your best WTF moment of the year was, you can say it in the chat section. I'll read it on our show here. Wesley, we're moving into probably the most look forward to category on this entire show that we're going to talk about. It's one of the most prestigious awards that anybody ever gives. Uh, prior to, I think it was even December, maybe it was the beginning of December, the Rolling Stone magazine gave their fighter of the year to, I think it was Michael the Count Bisbing, right? Anyway, I'm going to go first on this one, Wesley. My fighter of the year for 2016 is, drumroll, Conor McGregor. I know I'm going to be receiving a lot of hate for this because he went 2-1 and one in 2016, but the numbers, other than just his record, are really why this guy gets fighter of the year. He drew in uh, 3.2 million pay-per-view buys with the ones that Dave Meltzer has released already. I think that's 196 and 202 both did 1.6. I think 202 did 1.65 million pay-per-view buys. Dana White said that UFC 205 was supposed to eclipse that, but I don't think Dave Meltzer has put out the number for that yet. I've heard anywhere between 1.3, 1.46, and we can't trust Dana White, but he was saying that UFC 205 really beat the previous record, which was obviously Conor McGregor at UFC 202 with 1.65 million buys. So that right there is astonishing. The guy is the most well-known person in the sport. He eclipsed Ronda Rousey for that position. Oh, and by the way, this guy... Uh, he's the first ever simultaneous two-division champion in UFC history. Yes, a lot of people are talking about, well, they should have stripped him of his featherweight championship before he could even have that. Well, he was trying to go for the 155-pound belt like right away. He was supposed to fight RDA right after he fought and knocked out Jose Aldo in 13 seconds back in 2015. So, and sure, he hadn't defended the 145-pound belt in a while, but that is right there is something that's astonishing. It's going to be written in the history books. And at first, Wesley, at first when I was thinking about who my fighter of the year would be, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to give it to Conor McGregor because everybody and their dog is going to give it to Conor McGregor. And then I saw that, like, nobody was giving it to Conor McGregor. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? The guy has accomplished so much, and... Uh, me as a content creator, if I put any video out, I could say Conor McGregor takes a shit. It'll be my most clicked video. That just shows you how much power this man has. And for that reason and everything that I just said probably too quickly, Conor McGregor is my fighter of the year for 2016. Wesley, who you got in this? I really like your Conor pick. I feel like he's a fighter that doesn't get a lot of respect because there's so many people that um, – do not like him, and but but the fact, but what he has done inside of the octagon is fantastic. You can't deny some of the um, uh, stuff that he has done and accomplished, especially this year in 2016. So I like your pick. My pick for fighter of the year. Um, I had to think hard about this one because I feel like there are a lot, probably about four or five that are worth noting uh, that could be deserving of this award. But I'm going to go away from Conor McGregor. I have to go with account Michael Bisping. Uh, I feel like I want. Let's talk about this. At one point, Michael Bisping in his career, he was winning a fight and then he was losing a fight, and he was winning a fight and then he was losing a fight, and I feel like that alternated maybe three or four times, and then he finally gets back on the roll in 2015, wins a couple fights, uh, some pretty close ones. I think he fought CB Dalloway, got dropped in that fight once. Lacey, so a really close fight in a main event with him. Then he comes in in 2016, gets the fight with Anderson Silva one of the greatest fighters of all time, somebody that he's wanted to fight since he was originally in the UFC, a guy that had the championship forever, ended up losing it, of course. Gets in that amazing, incredible fight with Anderson, uh, wins it by unanimous decision. I know there was some controversy, of course, about it, but I thought Bisping did win. Uh, ends up getting the rematch. He had fought Luke Rockhold back in 2014. Gets the rematch. Luke Rockhold has become the champion, and he wanted revenge. And everybody, not I wouldn't say everybody, but pretty much everybody counted Michael Bisping out of this fight. He got dominated in the first fight, coming in, finally getting his title shot, and ends up knocking out Luke Rockhold in under four minutes in the first round. One of the best knockouts, I think, of the year. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but just an incredible moment, I think, that happened in his career. Then he goes in and fights Dan Henderson for his first defense. Guy that is older and ends up winning unanimous decision in that one in a really tough contest. I feel like Michael Brisbane, for especially where he was back in his earlier career and how long it took him to finally get 
up to competing for the title, winning the belt, having already a defense on his resume that he can hold for him. I feel like he's definitely a candidate. And for me, my fighter of the year, um, just an incredible, pretty much, I wouldn't say a comeback story, but a fighter that may have never had a chance to fight for the title, finally gets it and takes advantage, ending up becoming the UFC middleweight champion. Yeah, Michael Bisming, absolutely incredible, especially if you look at his overarching story of his whole career, Wes. It's it's incredible, like you said, where he started from the ultimate fighter, then he goes like one and one, a whole bunch, and then all of a sudden he's the champion. The the fight against Rockhold was incredible. I think that there needs to be some honorable mentions. For me, I said mine is Conor McGregor. Yours is Michael Bisming, both incredible choices. There's another choice that could be made, and that is uh, Stipe Miocic. He won three fights, all with first-round finishes. He's the baddest man on the planet because it's the heavyweight division. So Stipe Miocic gets a honorable mention for me. You mentioned Michael Bisping versus Luke Rockhold, that amazing upset. We're moving into the upset of the year for 2016. I'm just going to say, say it right now without much lead-in, without much segue. Michael Bisping over Luke Rockhold is my upset of 2016 because – I'm doing prediction videos for my own YouTube channel at the time, and Michael Bisming has already fought Luke Rockhold once, and he got obliterated, right? So going into the second fight, I'm like, Michael Bisming doesn't have a chance. He's coming in here on short notice. Luke Rockhold is going to steamroll him. Um, and then all of a sudden, Bisming comes in there, old left hook Larry, or left hand Larry, whatever he was calling himself that night, and he knocks out Luke Rockhold. It was astonishing. It was a great cap to a great event, and Michael Bisming – I thought Michael Bisping was going to lose to Anderson. Anderson Silva is my favorite fighter of all time. Um, Bisping defeated Silva fair and square. Yes, Silva did kind of knock him out at the end of, what was it, like the fourth round. But overall, if we're scoring round by round, as we're, we're supposed to do, as we have to do in MMA judging, Michael Bisping won that fight fair and square. That was incredible. And then I, I thought he was going to get destroyed by Luke Rockhold, and he just came in there and put a whooping on Luke Rockhold. Wesley... What do you think of that upset? You know, again, you said it already. And then what is your upset of 2016? Like I said a minute ago, I, I, that upset is fantastic. One of the best moments, I feel like, Michael Bisping's career, probably the best moment of Michael Bisping's career, because we had seen a lot before in his earlier performances when he has won fights that it's usually just a technical knockout. But he knocked out and just starched, obliterated Luke Rockhold. And Rockhold had been known for just being one of the most dominant middleweights there had been. Uh, especially in these past recent years in the UFC. Um, great pick for that. Uh, I'm going kind of with the, I guess you could say the bandwagon pick for um, for my upset of the year. I have to give it an Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor. I know that that fight happened at welterweight, um, and Conor really didn't have a lot of time to prepare. What he did uh, probably wasn't the best way. He just gained a lot of muscle mass. But the fact that Nate Diaz, a guy that's never really had – the most success in the lightweight division, which is the division he usually competes in, where now Connor is the champion, of course. He never really was a top, top threat for the title. I mean, he's had a few chances before, but he never really, I feel like, was put in that number one contender spot or had success to put himself in that number one contender spot. Um, but he has had some moments in his career that have been impressive. He's beat a lot of notables too, like Jim Miller, uh, Donald Cerrone, uh, Takanori Gummy back when he was pretty good too. And then it beat Michael Johnson, came in that fight with Conor McGregor at UFC 196, um, filling in pretty much on short notice. I guess it was 11 days for him too. Um, and he comes in there pretty pretty rough first round. I feel like a lot of the first round was spent, of course, for Conor McGregor. But in the second round, it clipped him. And Conor started, you could see him back up. He was a little bit wobbly. And he took advantage of it, and Connor shot in for a takedown, and after a couple of scrambles, he had the back, and Nate Diaz was able to choke out uh, one of the most highlighted and one of the biggest talkers, fighters, um, pretty much ever in UFC history. I feel like Connor. I mean, a lot of people talk about him. A lot of people love him. A lot of people also hate him. Um, and a lot of people also picked him in that fight. And here comes Nate Diaz, a guy um, that never had really been at the top two too much, but a lot of people do like who he is as a person. And comes in there and just takes out Conor McGregor, who at the time was the featherweight champion, um, but fighting this fight against uh, Nate Diaz in the welterweight division. So I thought that 
for me, that was my upset of the year. Couldn't believe it happened. I was pretty blown away by it. I think a lot of people were. So I have to give it to uh, Nate Diaz over Connor. That was an incredible upset. And for, if not any other reason, then it turned Nate Diaz into Dana White saying he's not a needle mover into a household name, a really, really popular guy. He defeated the most popular man in the sport and very, very convincingly. Great, great upset, great pick, Wesley. And you know what? I think that turned Nate Diaz into kind of a breakout fighter of the year. You know, he turned him into a breakout fighter. He's just kind of a, you know, he's, what was he, a 50 and 50 kind of guy, 50 to show, 50 to win, or maybe even less. Now he's demanding $10 million to fight at all. So that was a huge year for Nate Diaz. Could be breakout fighter of the year. But Wesley, let's move into our breakout fighter of the year. I've got mine on deck, but I think it's your turn to go first. Wesley, who's your breakout fighter of this trip around the sun? Oh, man, I'm going to have to give this a word. I thought about it. I feel like there, again, I feel like there's so many choices that you could use for a lot of different things. But for me, I had to go with, um, oh, Mickey, you're so fun. Mickey Gall. Uh, this kid, he's a little bit older than me. I shouldn't call him a kid because I'm younger. Of course, he's 24. I'm 22. Um, we're pretty close. But, I mean, this guy's fighting in the UFC. I'm sitting behind a computer talking about this kid that fights in the UFC. Um, comes in this year after having one professional fight, ends up knocking out three um, fighters. So I know I shouldn't really say fighters. I should say kind of newcomers, but um, he started off with Mike Jackson. But he took great – and this guy, Mike, he does a lot of MMA work in the media. Um, took him out as pretty much as fast as he could in 45 seconds. Goes in there and fights CM Punk, immediately takes him down and submits him. I know a lot of people give CM Punk hate, but then again – and also, people don't really talk um, a lot about Mickey Gall having a lot of success because he is fighting these kind of lower-level guys, some guys that haven't really competed too, too much. But still, he's doing what he can to get the win. And then he goes in and fights Sage Northcutt in his last fight, which is a couple of weeks ago. And Sage hasn't really had the best fights in his career either on his uh, his resume. But what's um, – and say let me, let me say this too. Sage is also known for his striking ability. The way that Mickey Gall – he usually, when he fights, he is known more for his jiu-jitsu. But the setup that Mickey Gall used to finish Sage Northcutt by a submission was by dropping Sage. And I thought that that was pretty impressive, too. So, Mickey, he has won three fights this year in 2016. Of course, they're not the most notable names in the world, but he's doing it each time in impressive fashion. And I feel like that that's something to take note of. I feel like he has a lot of potential, especially on the ground, um, there's one moment um, that I remember of flashing back to that I saw on YouTube a while ago. There was actually um, back in the jiu-jitsu tournament, Mickey Gall competed and went to a draw with, um, I think it was Gordon Ryan. And Gordon Ryan's one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu specialists there is. So I feel like that that's pretty impressive to note about his ground game. Still has improvements to make, but I feel like that he is the breakthrough fighter this year of 2016. I mean, I think that's a solid choice, Wes. I mean, he went from a guy that was 1-0 to probably the most famous 4-0 fighter in mixed martial arts history. I mean, yes, like you said, he hasn't been beating anybody worth beans, really. I mean, Sage Northcutt has beat UFC-level competition, but uh, he's got a name for himself. He's famous, and he's 4-0, and he's 24 years old, as you said. My breakout fighter of 2016 has to go to Lando Groovy Venata for – I know he's one and one, so all my awards are for fighters that have losses, but you know what? They're my awards, so I'll give them out however I want. Lando Venata, he comes in, and his loss against Tony Elkukui Ferguson was ultra impressive. One of the most impressive losses when you get finished that we, we've ever seen, probably. And and then he comes out, and he puts on one of the best knockouts of the year, one of the best knockouts ever in his last performance just back at UFC 206, right, against – John the Bull McDessey. Above that knockout, above having the great performance against Tony Okukui Ferguson, this guy, he moved from not being in the UFC into I think he is a contender. Not a prospect, but a contender. This this guy, if we give him enough time to build his talents and give him full fight camps, I think he could almost beat anybody in this division just because of how groovy and smooth his striking is. He's, if we were to have an award, we're not giving this out on the show, Wes, but if we were to give an award for like the fighter to watch at the beginning of next year, Lando Venata is the man. He already has his next fight scheduled, and it's not against um, 
you know, a really big name guy. So I expect another groovy highlight performance from Orlando Venata. Let's move into another award that's very, very similar. After Wes, I want to divert a little bit. There's a question in the chat section that I want to answer. Outlaw Red asks, who would win between a bear and a gorilla? I'm going to let you take it. What do you think? Who would win between a bear and a gorilla? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, I'm going to go with a gorilla. I feel like the gorilla is a little bit more intelligent than the bear. I think that uh, uh, I, I just like gorilla. I, I like gorillas a little bit more than bears. Uh, and like I said, I feel like they're a little bit smarter. So I'm going to have to go with a gorilla. Uh, I apologize to all the bear fans that happen to be watching. I actually know the answer to this, Wes. I've I've looked it up before a few times. Luke Thomas on his show talks about this quite frequently, and he had a guy who's a, a wildlife specialist talk about it. And if it were a gorilla versus a black bear, the gorilla would win because he has a size advantage. But if it were a gorilla versus a grizzly bear, the grizzly, the smallest like male grizzly versus the largest gorilla, silverback, the bear's still going to have like a 100-pound size advantage. And then uh, gorillas are herbivores, so they're always eating plants, and they're not like aggressive. They're not their mindset isn't to kill. Whereas grizzlies, they have the sharp claws. They're made to kill. And even if the gorilla were to get a rear naked choke on the bear, the the neck muscles of a grizzly bear are too strong, and the gorilla wouldn't be able to choke him out. So, and then they're built to kill and and main, you know, chop up flesh. Anyway, that was. Thank you, Outlaw Red, for the little transition there. Let's go into top prospect of 2016. I'm giving my top prospect of 2016. Uh, I don't really have a definition for this award, but I'm going with Brandon Moreno. He's a guy who, you know, he still needs some refinement, but he really jumped onto the scene after coming off of, like, didn't he lose in the first round of the Ultimate Fighter Season 24, the Tournament of Champions? He comes in, he puts a smackdown on Lewis Smolka, and then he uh, won his next fight convincingly against Ryan Benoit, right? Um, he's somebody that we could look forward to but still needs some refinement, so I think he fits into the, the category of top prospect of the year. Wesley, who do you think uh, wins top prospect of this trip around the sun? I like your pick with Brandon Moreno, and you're right about he did lose in the first round when he was on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, to I think uh, Alexander Alexandre Pantoja, I think that's his name. I can't really pronounce it right. I probably didn't, but that's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I do really like that pick. For me, um, I'm gonna have to go with uh, Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso, she's only 23 years old, made the transition to the UFC, and fought Heather Joe Clark, Clark in her UFC debut. Had a lot of success back when she was in Invicta. Some great performances over some top-level competition. Um, and is still undefeated. She's now 9-0. As I just mentioned, she did beat Heather Joe Clark. Um, the one thing that has struggled with her in her past, she's had a lot of injuries. But I'm hoping that hopefully she steps a little bit away from that. Hopefully she's going to be fresh and clean coming into the 2017 year. I feel like she had a solid 2016 year. She's 2-0 from this most recent year, or this year that's currently going on for a couple more days at least. Uh, she has a fight scheduled next with Elise Herrig, a fight that I think she could win. Um, we're going to have to see her, of course, um, get tested against some higher competitions with the UFC top of the elite. Um, so, But I, I think Alexa Grosso, she has a lot of potential. I feel like a lot of people are getting on her train, and um, I think that she's definitely going to be a fighter to watch. But also, my pick for the top prospect of 2016 Wesley, I also think that she's super exciting to watch. And that fight with Felice Herrig, it should be an all-action fight. Same thing with Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno, Alexa Grasso, they're both extremely exciting fighters to watch. So for to get an award on this show, you need to not only have high-level skills, but you need to be exciting. We can't just be having somebody like Colby Covington wrestle people you know, for 15 minutes and expect to get an award. So Brandon Moreno, Alexa Grasso, congratulations. You get an award. Let's move into the best fight of 2016. I'm going to go first. My pick for the best fight of 2016 is Anderson the Spider Silva versus Michael the Count Bisbing. And the reason for this is that for most of my awards, they are emotion-based. And I already mentioned on the show where my favorite fighter of all time is Anderson the Spider Silva. So I was 
I would base good fights on how much my heart rate gets up. And in this fight, I almost had an anxiety attack. I almost had a heart attack. I can barely watch. I have to take my headphones off and, and not listen to the audio because this fight was on UFC Fight Pass. I'm watching them on, on my computer with headphones in, and I can hardly watch. I don't want to listen to the audio. My heart's just racing. I'm about to have a heart attack. Back and forth action the entire time. Anderson Silva almost knocks out, or he did knock out Bisbing at the end of, I think it was round number four. Bisbing rocks Silva twice, dropped him twice, just all kinds of back and forth. And then the emotional investment that I had with it. Even though I already mentioned it, Silva's my favorite fighter. Bisbing rightfully won that fight, but the back and forth nature, just incredible. The stakes. And also, it was a really fun fight to watch for free. Or not for free, right? It was on UFC Fight Pass. So you pay like nine bucks a month. You get to see this incredible fight card where the pacing is incredible. Unlike Fox Sports 1, where even if the main event is absolutely gangbusters wild and A-plus from A to F, if you had to wait a half hour to get there, you know, you kind of calm down. You're just kind of waiting for the next fight to happen. La-di-da. This was on Fight Pass, so the fights were just happening. Bam, 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 bam. So you didn't have time to get, like, tired or whatever. So for all of those reasons, Silva Bisping gets my fight of the year for 2016. Also, one more thing, Wes. I wanted to give an award to Anderson Silva. So this is how I found a way to do it. What is your best fight of 2016, Wes? I was a huge, huge fan of that fight. Michael Bisping and Anderson Silva are two of my favorite fighters. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, for me, I actually did, like I said, I, I write a lot for MMA Sucka, and I posted out a top 10 um, fights of the year. For me, I had to step away a little bit from bias. I actually had that fight only ranked at number 10, but I think it, after looking overall at the list, I feel like it should be a little bit higher. Um, for me, what I did put at the top and what I feel like without bias at all, just looking at the overall fight performance from both individuals, I thought, for me, the fight of the year came between Robbie Lawler and Carlos Condit at UFC 195, which happened to be January 2nd, so it's pretty much almost been a full year away um, from now. Um, we're about to pass that date in a couple days, but I, I love that fight. Um, two of the toughest guys and two solid veterans from the UFC going at it. Um, they both had just a share of moments. It was absolute chaos. I think in total in the fight, I looked at the statistic, 675 strikes were thrown between both guys. And I think Carlos Condit just alone, he threw at like 500 of them. So he threw at like a ridiculous amount of shots. There was always consistent action between the two. Both had a, just a variety of moments in each round where um, both happened to be hurt at different points. The fifth round was crazy exciting between Lawler and Condit. They both had a moments. Lawler was pouring it on. I think he was thought he was down. I feel like one thing that sucks about this fight is that there was some controversy at the end, which kind of took away from everybody talking about this fight as the number one um, because Condit didn't get awarded the decision. It was awarded for Lawler. I thought Condit won. However, I think I, I do understand why Lawler was awarded the decision. The rounds were all really close, and a lot, a lot of action happened back and forth in each one. So for me, I had to give my fight of the year to those two. Um, Robbie Lawler was able to defend his belt. Um, and, uh, Condit, he, uh, I guess that was one of the closest fights he's probably ever fought for the title. Um, I think, I guess he's only fought for the title once before. I'm probably completely wrong. I don't have anything up to show me, but I was a huge fan of that fight. Um, and would love to see a rematch between the two at some point. So that's my fight of the year. I'm super glad that somebody, and that especially you, Wes, gave that fight fight of the year because, like you said, it was so long ago. I remember when it happened, I was like, that's definitely fight of the year. But then it's like, okay, it's day two of the year. I hope that we remember this fight going forward. And I was thinking earlier today when I was thinking about doing the show with you, and I was like, you know what? I really should watch that fight back because it was incredible. Back and forth action. The stat that you just gave out about how many strikes were landed and thrown, holy shit, right? Um, and I, too, Wes, scored it for Carlos Condit. But nonetheless, incredible fight, incredible back-and-forth action. Happened a long, long time ago, so I'm really glad that you gave it an award. We go from something that's really good, really exciting, to something that's, you know, not really great. We're moving into our worst fall from grace in 2016. Wes, I think it's your turn to go first. What is your worst fall from grace this year? I also wanted to point out one thing. 
about the fighter of the year. I feel like a lot of people, uh, for me, when I saw Doohu Choi versus Cub Swanson, I was like, man, that's the fight of the year. But I thought, too, that fight's so recent, I can't really think about back on what happened in the previous uh, months of the year. And I also thought um, that there, were, I wanted to look at a fight that had more back and forth action. So I felt like a better choice would have been Condit versus Lawler. Uh, so going away from that, the worst fall from Grace, uh, we talked about this beforehand. And I definitely think that this man fell from grace in 2016, and his name is Rafael Dos Anjos. He ended up uh, winning so many fights in a row. He knocked out Ben Henderson, uh, destroyed Nate Diaz for three rounds, destroyed Anthony Pettis for five rounds, knocked out Cerrone, beat him twice. I mean, he beat him twice within uh, a pretty recent span, but the second time he knocked him out in like a minute. So he had won. Again, so so many notable guys. People thought Rafael was the name and the toughest um, lightweight there was. He had a chance to fight Conor McGregor um, in a title-on-title fight and ended up having to pull out of that one. And then he gets matched up in July of this year with Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez had had some decent performances coming in, um, but none that were too, too spectacular. And I think a lot of people, including myself, thought Rafael would be the man to defeat Eddie Alvarez and possibly stop him in that fight. But it turned out that Eddie would get the better of Vesanjos, uh, and Eddie would finish him with strikes in the first round. And we haven't really seen um, Vesanjos uh, lose like that in a long, long time. Um, he's been knocked out before, but not that bad. Then he goes in there and fights another top guy, Tony Ferguson, but gets dominated for, I think, all five rounds. I think I, I might have scored every single round for Tony Ferguson in that fight. Dos Anjos didn't really show any moments to where he looked like previously in his past performances from 2015 and didn't show any moments to where it looked like he could be a threat against some of these higher-level opponents. So for me, I had to give the um, the worst fall from grace, I think, to Dos Anjos. Uh, he at one point was one of the best, and now I feel like he's just falling off the radar, and a lot of people don't talk about him too much anymore. So it's unfortunate for him, um, and hopefully he can get back on track soon. Yeah, man. If, if we're talking fall from grace, especially when you talk about starting from a super high point and then where they are now, I think Rafael Dos Anjos deserves that award because you go from being the champion to losing two in a row and losing uh, via TKO against Eddie Alvarez, which somebody could say that Eddie Alvarez over Rafael Dos Anjos could be upset of the year, but I think that's a great pick. RDA, in, I, don't, I, I might have zoned out, but RDA also had an opportunity to fight Conor McGregor for the biggest payday of his entire mother effing career, and he had to pull out due to injury. So you missed the big money payday for Conor McGregor. Then you lose those two fights, as you mentioned. So RDA, fantastic choice for worst fall from grace of 2016. My worst fall from grace of this trip around the sun is Johnny Big Rig Hendricks. And we were already mentioning things being too recent. You know, we want to look back at the entire year. But this guy, holy shit. So he gets obliterated by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in February. Obliterated. So once he realized his game plan wasn't working, he just decided to run right at Stephen Thompson. Afterward, he said, you know what? I didn't think Stephen Thompson was going to try to keep range. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? You didn't think Stephen Thompson was going to use his range? What does Stephen Thompson do? He uses range, you dum-dum. Then his next fight, he comes out, Kelvin Gastelum, and he misses weight. It was only by a quarter pound, but he looked not great. Kelvin Gastelum outvolumed him. Afterward, he said, you know what? I don't know how I lost that fight, man. I don't – if." Fights are still going to be judged like this. I don't know if I can do this sport anymore. And it's like, dude, you you didn't do much. Then he comes out and he says, if he were to lose to Neil Magny, he might as well just retire. And then yesterday, well, today, he missed weight by 2.5 pounds. And he yesterday, I think it was, he did an interview where he looked awful. And he challenged the MMA media to cut 20 pounds because that's what he cuts. But MMA media is not getting paid thousands and thousands of dollars to do said weight cut. And Wes, I'm doing a preview prediction show tomorrow for MMA Mania on the Facebook page. And I will be picking against Johnny Hendricks. I was going to pick against him before he missed weight, before I saw that weird ass interview with him. Because 
Well, he just has looked – I'll say it. He's looked not great since USADA showed up. He's not looked great since he – I thought he beat GSP, but ever since then he has not looked good, and he's been depleting every single time. He has trouble making weight. The guy just has had an awful, awful year. Lost twice. I think he's going to lose a third time, and two of those three times he missed weight. Huge fall from grace. And he could be leaving UFC and MMA completely after he – I think he'll lose to Neil Magny. So this could be his swan song of a fight. Horrible, horrible year for Johnny Big Rig Hendricks. Let's move into a more lighter note. Let's jazz it up a little bit. Let's put a smile on everybody's face. The most successful weight change, weight class change, division change of 2016. Wesley, who you got? So I feel like my pick might surprise a few people. Um, we talked about it beforehand. And I originally, the first person that popped into my head, I thought was the best choice for this. And I'm going to have to give it to uh, Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade, she originally, of course, was fighting in the Bantamweight division and was having some success, was beating a few decent names. Uh, however, um, it wasn't the most impressive. She had lost to Raquel Pennington, was choked out in that fight, also came in against Marianne Renault in one of her fights, a fight that she was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win this fight easily. It's going to be a piece of cake and ends up getting submitted in under two minutes. So what she does, she makes the weight class change. She's always been a little bit smaller for 135 pounds, and she moves down to 115 pounds, which is the strawweight division. And since then, she's only fought twice, and both of the fights came this year in 2016. But both of the performances that she put on were fantastic. They couldn't have been better. She originally, the first fight that she had fought in of the two was against Jessica Penne. Penne, just a... Uh, she, she obliterated Penny. Penny had no chance. Penny had also fought for the title previously against Joanna, the current champion. But Jessica looked fantastic in that fight. Um, it was her strawweight debut, debut and um, a really an impressive performance. I feel like a lot of people catched on to who she was. I feel like her name wasn't that popular when she was back in the Bantamweight division. I feel like a lot of people weren't really talking about her. Then come in September of this year, she fights Joanne Calderwood, um, and I kid you not, I picked Joanne. I thought she was just a better fighter overall, and I was completely wrong. Uh, Andrade, she came in there and ended up getting a guillotine choke, pretty much dominated um, uh, Calderwood in that fight, and she got the first round guillotine. Um, a really impressive performance for Andrade. She moves to 2-0 in the strawweight division. I feel like this switch was the perfect decision for her. She actually was supposed to fight on the card that's happening tomorrow night, uh, which is UFC 207. 207, I can't even think of the number. Um, but she was supposed to fight on the card. She's not. But I think that there are big things for her in 2017, and I think that she might be a threat at some point for the strawweight title. So I have to give my award for the most successful weight class change to Jessica Andrade. Can you imagine how much more successful it would have been if she she called out uh, the karate hottie or the karate soccer mom, Michelle Watterson, after her victory? She called her out for UFC 207. Can you imagine how much of a better of a year she could have had if she would have beat Michelle Watterson? I think that she would have beat Michelle Watterson. Quickly, Wes, I think the only possible matchup to make for Jessica Andrade, or Andrade, however you say it, I, I apologize for all you pronunciation goons or whatever, Wes, who are you picking when the rightful match gets made between Joanna Champion and Jessica Andrade? Oh, man. I would love to see – the first fight I want to see for Andrade, I think, would be the Watterson fight, and I think that that should be a title eliminator fight. So I think that they made the right call getting her off the card and having that fight hopefully um, aside for maybe a later card in the future. But I think um, if Andrade should probably beat Watterson, I think um, – when she fights Calder or Calderwood, um, when she fights Joan, uh, yeah, Chimchek, I can't even pronounce her name, but I think I think she's got a good chance. But I'm gonna just go with my uh, biasy, um, and I'm gonna have to pick Joanna. I think that she might be able to just win a decision like she usually does. I think she's just a little bit better, especially with her striking, and I think she can stuff the takedowns of Andrade. So I'm gonna have to say Joanna, but we're gonna have to see. Hopefully, that fight happens soon. 
I'm gonna have to disagree with you about making the Michelle Watterson fight. I think that Andrade, Andrade, since nobody wants to fight her, I think the only logical thing to do is to get her against Joanna Ewan Jacek right now. And I would favor JJ ever so slightly because she should be able to keep range with her um, longer arms, her longer striking. You know, Andrade kind of kind of loops hooks, needs to get in tight. Maybe JJ can keep her at, at a distance, but I think that's the fight that they should make. I would favor Joanna like minus 150 or whatever. Um, let's move into oh my most successful division change of 2016. Before we do it, we have a viewer. I'm going to read his view, read his comment because I feel like awarding people for commenting during the live show. This is what you get. Outlaw Red says that he thinks Conor McGregor deserves the award for most successful division change of 2016. Perhaps you could say that because he did win. He did fight in two weight classes above him and won against Nate Diaz. And then he fought at one weight class above where he was previously at and won the championship. So, yeah, very valid point. But I'm giving my most successful division change of 2016 to none other than Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. Wes, I told you off air before we came here. One of the reasons why I'm giving Donald Cerrone this award is because he's such a G-dang exciting fighter that I wanted to find a place on our award show to give him an award. He's, you know, kind of a, I don't like listening to his interviews. He's kind of an interesting guy. You know, you love him or you hate him outside of the cage, but inside of the cage, he's one of the most exciting fighters to ever do the damn thing, right? And since moving to welterweight this year, he lost to Rafael dos Anjos at the very end of last year in the 155-pound championship. Since that time, he's on a four-fight winning streak all at welterweight, and all four of those fights are stoppages incredible division change for Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. He's one of the people that you could talk about that had maybe one of the best 2016s. You go undefeated in a weight class where you had previously not competed and you get all finishes against pretty decent guys. Matt Brown, Patrick Cote, both those names are pretty G-dang huge. Let's move into the knockout of the year. One of my favorite categories, if not my favorite category, my knockout of the year came at UFC 205 where the soldier of God, Yoel Romero, hit a flying knee on Chris Weidman in the third round, very beginning of the third round, if I remember correctly. The reason why I'm giving this award to him is perhaps there were better knockouts. There were more highlight reel knockouts, but I was doing a live uh, results thing on MMA Mania's YouTube channel. So I was commentating on the fights as they happened for people that weren't watching. And when it happened, it was so gruesome, the blood that was spilling out of Chris Weidman's head. And I had such a severe and unadulterated, like I wasn't kidding. That was my legitimate reaction. You can check it out on the YouTube channel. Maybe I'll link it below, but that was my genuine reaction to Yoel hitting Weidman with that flying knee. It was, it was incredible. And then you talk about how Weidman had three knees hit him in the head during that one, like one second window there. Romero's initial right knee hitting Weidman in the face that knocked him out. Then Weidman's head hitting his own knee. And then Romero's other knee hitting the back of Weidman's head. Like, that was incredible. And just the sheer violence and force that Romero can throw with strikes is absolutely incredible. And I think that he deserves knockout of the year. But there's other deserving ones. Wes, what's yours? I love that pick. I actually remember I didn't watch the video that you had live going on as it happened. But I went back and watched it because you had told me that you did one live during the fights and your reaction was absolutely crazy. And I had a pretty similar reaction, especially seeing all that gun. That just I mean, it was absolutely gruesome. One of the craziest things I've ever seen. Uh, just a terrible gash um, and a crazy knockout from the soldier of God. Um, my knockout of the year. Um, so I, I had a post on Twitter um, a little while ago. Just a few different choices for knockout of the year. And there was one that I accidentally left off that people started giving me so much crap for because I did not put it on that tweet. And it happened to be my favorite knockout of the year. And I just didn't even think about it when I posted. And that happens to go to Lana Venata over John McDessie. Venata had had that awesome performance in his loss when he fought Tony Ferguson back in July. And then comes in against a guy like John McDessie. McDessie has always been a pretty decent stand-up fighter. We've never seen him knocked out. And when I say knocked out, I mean completely unconscious. He broke his jaw when he fought Donald Cerrone. But McDessie has always had a lot of success on the feet, but has never been knocked out. And John McDessie um, gets knocked out by Lana Venata 
in under two minutes um, in this fight. And the way that McDes or the way that uh, Venata was able to set it up, he ended up. I can't remember how it worked, but he he kicks him with one of his legs, and it forces Venata to react in a moving a different way. And then he, uh, Venata knew that it was going to happen that way, planned it off. And as he's kicking, he's planning. I think he, I guess he's planning back with his foot, and then already preparing the spinning wheel kick that cracks McDessie perfectly on the jaw and knocks him unconscious. Very similar to Edson Barboza over Terry Adam, um, maybe not as unconscious or stiff in the way that he fell but it was a beautiful beautiful setup probably one of the best setup knockouts of 2016 but also a very very brutal knockout the way that he was able to finish um a very solid and seasoned veteran in john mcdessey very impressive as we've talked about i think earlier uh, Venata's got a lot of potential, especially coming into this new year. We'll have to see where he goes. But for me, especially this year, December 10th, 2016, uh, Lana Venata's knockout over John McDessie gets my award for the best knockout of 2016. Venata over McDessie was absolutely majestic. So your uh, KO of the year was majestic, and Romero over Weidman was more brutal, the brutality of it. Let's move into um, something that's not nearly as Brutal. It's not really as majestic either, but, you know, whatever. Submission of the year. Wes, what is your submission of the year? Uh, my submission of the year is often overlooked, too, because we talked about earlier how UFC 195 where Lawler and Condit happened. That was a long, long time ago. That was July 2nd of this year. However, that date is already approaching for the next year. Um, and this submission of the year came from this card I, I thought about it, again, without bias, and I had to give this one to Michael McDonald over Masanori Kanahara. Uh, we hadn't seen Michael McDonald fight in, I guess, like two and a half years or maybe two years. I don't remember how long the time span was, but he hadn't fought in forever. He comes in, uh, and he had been a pretty notable prospect that a lot of people were keeping their eyes out for. A pretty young guy, too. I think he's only about 25 or 26 years old. So he comes in there and is against Masanori Kanahara, a very, very seasoned guy who has great top control and also very, very good with his submissions. They're both black belts, and this was going to be a fight that I think we could have saw to a decision or maybe a submission. Kanahara was just putting it on him for the earlier parts of the fight, and we see it come, I guess, into the second round, and what ends up happening, I guess, after Kanahara gets a takedown, McDonald's trying to get back to his feet. Um, kind of hard to sinks in a rear naked choke. He has the rear naked choke, but um, McDonald stays calm. And what ends up happening, McDonald somehow slips out. I don't know how he did it, but it was unbelievable and completely impressive. Gets the back in a scramble of Kanahara and immediately puts in a rear naked choke of his own. And Kanahara gets choked out by Michael McDonald, who had returned. Um, McDonald with an unbelievable the, the way that it happened and the lead up to it, I thought it was just crazy and fantastic. One of the coolest things I've ever had a chance to watch, just the way that he was able to slip out and get the back in such a fast transition. Uh, really cool. That's going to have to be my pick for the submission of the year. Wes, I feel like that's kind of a hipster pick for submission of the year. You know, that's it's not one of the most well known submissions. It's not one that anyone else is voting for, and I really. I thank you for giving us a submission of the year that's kind of off the beaten path. I really like it a lot. Can, my can, I, can I mention one thing real quick before you say yeah. that? For me, actually, what I always like to do, especially with my picks last year, I gave my submission of the year to uh, Jing Leon Lee getting finished um, by, uh, who was it? Uh, Kita Nakamura. That submission was absolutely crazy. So that was my pick for submission of the year last year. So I, I know what you mean by that. I usually like to pick especially submissions, I feel like there are a lot of creative ones that don't get mentioned like that. I feel like there's a lot of fighters and a lot of finishes, a lot of all kinds of stuff that doesn't get mentioned. You know, it's the it's the most high-profile ones. It's the biggest names that always get mentioned on, on these award shows. So that's awesome, Wes. Great pick. I, I would never have thought of it myself. Mine is one that I feel like everyone's giving submission of the year to. But when it happened, I said, that's submission of the year. Unless something crazy happens between now and January 1. And nothing crazy enough happened. So my submission of the year I, happened at UFC 196, Misha Cupcake Tate over the preacher's daughter, Holly Holm. The reason for it is 
Holly was winning the fight. She was going to win the damn fight. She could have just rode out that fifth round and got the victory over Misha Tate. And then all of a sudden, an Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen one thing happened where Misha Tate kind of shot the moon, threw a Hail Mary up there, and got the rear naked choke victory over Holly Holm. The, all of my picks on this entire show, Wes, I've said it, are emotion-based. And I was so incredibly happy for Misha Tate. You know, she's kind of a pioneer in the women's division. I always saw her as just kind of like a gatekeeper. And then she comes out there and she gets the belt over somebody I thought was, you know, going to beat her. And then she did it in Hail Mary fashion, similar to Anderson Silva versus Chael Sonnen the first time with that triangle choke. So incredible submission victory by Misha Cupcake Tate, who's, who's now retired. Will she stay retired forever? Over Holly Holm. Let's move into the best round, singular round of 2016. Mine is an entire fight. I'm giving my best round of 2016 to Robert. Uh, what's his nickname? The Reaper. He's got to get a new, new nickname versus Derek, the cheerleader Brunson. This was incredible because it was kind of a wild slop fest. These guys were going back and forth a whole bunch. Like for a second, we thought that Brunson was going to rock Whitaker and get the victory like he had done in his previous like four fights, just come out there steamrolling. And then all of a sudden he decided that his game plan was the worst I've ever seen. Got a little bit ridiculous. Robert Whitaker was able to put his superior striking on Brunson, even while moving back, even while with terrible footwork. Well, he had to utilize like bad foot position because of what Brunson was doing to him. Anyway, it was a back and forth kind of slugfest. It was an entire fight. We thought one person was going to win. Kapow! The Reaper, Whitaker comes out with the victory, finishing Brunson in the first round. Incredible round. Wesley, what's your best round of the year? That fight was awesome. Uh, it looked like Brunson was going to be able to get a knockout at some point. But then Whitaker comes back and uh, gets a knockout on that one. So I, I really like your pick on that one. Man, I've talked a lot about, and both both you and me have talked a lot about Lando Venata, but my round of the year has to go to the first round that happened between Lando Venata and Tony Ferguson back in whatever card it was. I think it was the card that was headlined. Here, I pulled it up real quick just to see. It was UFC Fight Night McDonald versus Lineker, and that fight happened back in July of this year. The first round, a lot of people, of course, kind of an out of hell. Nobody knew who this guy was. I had no idea who he was, um, and I hope – I'm guessing you too, Brian, probably didn't know who Lando Venata was. So here he comes in against this guy, Tony Ferguson. The – I mean, he was on a huge win streak. He, I mean, he won the fight, of course, but he's on this huge win streak, comes in, and Lando Venata shows up and puts Tony Ferguson in so many situations that it looked like he could have been able to get a finish. Um, had he been more prepared maybe for a full fight camp um, and had the proper um, time to be able to manage his weight cut. I feel like all that I – mean, he did make weight, but I feel like it could have been a little bit better. Maybe he could have been more conditioned in that fight. Um, but an amazing performance from this guy who had only been on an eight-fight win streak, undefeated, of course. Did suffer his first loss to Tony Ferguson, but put up this crazy, crazy fight in the first round um, where both had their moments. Ferguson landed a lot of shots, but also Venata did. And, of course, I mentioned there was also a head kick, I think, at one point with like a minute left that looked like Ferguson was done. I didn't think he would be able to recover from it. Um, Ferguson did get the win in the second round, but that first round had to be my pick for the best round of 2016. Wes, you mentioned the fight card that it was on, UFC Fight Night 91. That was low-key, an incredible fight card. And, yeah, that, that first round, Venata versus Okukui, we talked about it a couple times on the show. Incredible, phenomenal, gut-wrenching performance by both guys. Fun as hell to watch. Let's just, I'll tell you the entire fight card. John Lineker had a great performance against Michael McDonald. Tim Bosch had a great performance against Rest in, rest in Peace, Josh Saman. Daniel Omialanchuk versus Oleski Olenek, you know, kind of down point. Kita Nakamura, uh, Kyle Noak, fun fight. Louis Smolka, Ben Wen. That was a pretty decent, you know, grappling affair, even though Ben Wen should have kept it standing. So that was low-key, really, really good fight card in general. Maybe one of the best fight nights of the year, UFC Fight Night 91. But overall, Wes, what is your best UFC event of 2016? So my best UFC event, I feel like, is a little bit under-talked about. I feel like that there are a lot of cards that, that you could talk about was the best event of 2016. For me, I had to give it to UFC 202, which was headlined by Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. First off, I'd like to say that that fight was one of the best fights of this year. Secondly, 
The pay-per-view was ridiculous from beginning to end. Tim Means stops Sabah Hamasi in a crazy, crazy welterweight fight. Mike Perry making his debut stops a guy in Hung Yu Lam who has a lot of power. A lot of people counted Mike Perry out, and he was able to stop him with a vicious knockout. Donald Cerrone becoming the first man to stop Rick Story via punches. Ends up getting that crazy combination head kick knockout that a lot of people made memes of. And just absolutely cool to watch the way that Cerrone was able to set that up. Also, Rumble Johnson knocks out a veteran in Glover Teixeira in under 15 seconds. A guy, uh, Glover, of course, with his prestigious striking background, gets starts like that, and we've never seen that done before. Shows how much power Rumble has behind his hands. As I mentioned, the fight between Connor and Nate had Cody Garbrandt knock out Mizugaki, had Lorenz Larkin upset, kind of an upset over Neil Magny. Um, Marvin Vittori's submission win in his debut over Alberto Uda. Um, Courtney Casey upset win over Ronda Marcos. Uh, the only down fight of that was Artem Lobov and Chris Avila. Kind of a trash fight. But overall, I thought that card was fantastic, especially the pay-per-view. Um, that's going to have to be my my um, best event of UFC in the 2016 year. Incredible event. And when we were talking before the show, I didn't even think of it as one of the best. You know, I thought of it as one of the best fights of 2016 for Nate versus Connor. I didn't think of it as fight of the year. So that's a really good one. I'm giving mine to UFC 199. The reason being, we've already talked about a couple of aspects of this fight card with the rest of our awards, with Michael Bisping defeating Luke Rockhold in the main event via KO punches in the very first round. I mean, that was incredible. And that's what capped off the night. So often when I'm giving grades for cards from A to F, I give it on how the fight card ended. You know, if it ended with a snoozer, I might downgrade it a little bit from an A to a B or what have you, but it ended with the best upset of 2016. Other notables, Marco Polo Reyes versus Dong Young Kim. It was the curtain jerker down there on the fight pass prelims. People were talking about that fight being fight of the year because it was so incredible. First fight of the night on this card. Other notable stuff, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber. A lot of people remember this as Dominic Cruz kind of showing out against Uriah Faber. There was some fun back and forth action. Yes, uh, Cruz won 50-45 on two of the three scorecards, but it was a pretty decent fight and great showing out by Dominic Cruz. It was fun to see an old Uriah Faber kind of have a competitive fight in championship fight. You know, he fought Hennon Barrow for the title, didn't go very far you know, with the, the thumbs up gate or whatever was going on there. The third round of Max Holloway versus Ricardo Lamas, a lot of people were talking about was the best round of the year because of the last 10 seconds where uh, Holloway pointed at the ground and they just kind of slugged it out for the last 10 seconds. Incredible stuff. Hector Lombard, Dan Henderson, where Dan hit Hector with the, with the back elbow to the temple and put him fucking down. Dustin Poirier, incredible, incredible performance over shit-talking Bobby Green. So from top to bottom, accounting for all – I don't know how many fights for every single fight on that card. UFC 199 is my fight card of the year. Wes, we're going to get into predicting how many current champions will be champion at the end of 2017. But first, I have a question in the chat that I think is pertinent. It's it's uh, kind of tied into who will be champion at the end of 2017. What is next for Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? And... Before we get into it, do you think that he will be the champion at the end of 2017? Uh, I'm going to have to say, trying to think about what's next for Demetrius Johnson, I feel like that there are a bunch of different opportunities, but I feel like that the one that opened up recently is going to be the fight with Joseph Benavidez, who just beat Henry Cejudo. I actually thought Cejudo looked better in that fight than Benavidez. Uh, it was very, very close. Um, Benavidez, of course, got the decision. I feel like that that's going to be the fight to make, even though Demetrius has beat him twice before. I feel like that that's going to be the next fight that we will see in the flyweight division. What I think should be next, of course, I, I would love to see Demetrius versus Dominic Cruz at some point. Uh, a thrilling super fight um, and a rematch that would happen. I feel like Demetrius might struggle a little bit. Of course, he's a lot smaller. And being smaller in these lower weight divisions um, is going to play a factor in the fight. Um, so I think Demetrius might struggle a little bit in this fight with Dominic Cruz, but I would love to see that one. I think that those are two great options. Horiguchi is also on the rise. I feel like that he might be able to get that rematch at some point if he gets one or two more wins. And I also, as a fourth option, I'll just throw one more out there, uh, Wilson Hayes. I wish Wilson Hayes 
when he had fought, he was supposed to fight Demetrius Johnson on UFC 201. Um, but what ended up happening, he didn't, after he won the fight, which was the dominating performances, he did nothing to call out Demetrius. He was scheduled to fight him. Demetrius pulled out and he had nothing to say about it. And now he gets paired up against uh, Oka Sasaki. So I feel like Wilson Hayes, if he can maybe just get his way back in there and do the talk, I feel like he might be another choice. Um, definitely poses some threats on the ground and also a really seasoned veteran in him too. So I feel like those are four options I can suggest for that. Did you have anything to add on, Brian? Yeah, if uh, if DJ stays at 125, I want him to fight Wilson Hayes just because it's a fight that I haven't seen already. But honestly, I don't care if it makes sense. If Dominic Cruz wins tomorrow – against Cody No Love Garbrandt. I feel like I need the super fight. I know that DJ said he needs like $10 million for that fight to happen, but he's already basically cleaned out the flyweight division. You're talking about giving him a couple of rematches, and they make sense, yes, for that division, but I really want to see him rematch Dominic the Dominator Cruz. And I think it would be maybe a really, really close fight. Dominic Cruz has uh, plantar fasciitis that he treats with uh, – not collagen. He treats with the stuff that you inject into your lips for to look better. What is it called? Um, I know, I know what it is, but I can't think of the name of it. Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Anyway, he injects that into his feet for his plantar fasciitis. So perhaps he's his whole game is predicated on movement, on his ability to get out of the way of punches, on really being awkward with his movement. Demetrius Johnson is super fast. If Dominic Cruz were to slow down ever so slightly, Demetrius could win that fight. And just the simple thought in my head, the tiny little nugget, I would favor Dominic Cruz, obviously, but the tiny nugget that Demetrius could win that fight, I want to see it. It's a true champion versus champion. It's a super fight, and I want to see that. Uh, I'll let you go first with who you think or how many champions you think will be at the end of 2017 that are champion right now. But I'll say it, I do think Demetrius Johnson is one of the fighters who will still have the gold strapped around his waist when we come to January 1, 2018. How many fighters do you think and who at the end of 2017? Sure, I think that the fighters that will still have their belts, I'm going to start from the lowest weight classes pretty much up. Um, Demetrius Johnson, I think, will still have his. Dominic Cruz. We'll see tomorrow. I'll say that if he wins tomorrow, I think he will still have his belt in 2016. If he doesn't, for Cody, I think he will not have his belt in 2016. I feel like that uh, possibly TJ Dillashaw, the winner of him versus John Lineker, will be able to capture the belt. Or maybe somebody like, who knows, Brian Caraway, Jimmy Rivera, or a few other pretty decent names uh, in the Bantamweight division now to, to take note of. So I feel like Dominic Cruz, if he wins, Demetrius Johnson, both of them. I think Aldo will still have his belt in the featherweight division. I think that in the lightweight division, Connor will still have his belt. I think when it comes to the welterweight division, this might be one to watch. Not sure if uh, Woodley's going to be able to hold on to it. But um, I feel like the biggest test will be a rematch with Steven Thompson or the fight with Damian Maia. Um, I think he might be able to hold on to it. So I, I put him on the list. I think the two guaranteed to lose their belt um, in 2017 will be Michael Bisping. There's a lot of hungry competition. I just don't know if Michael Bisping's at the the very elite in comparison to some of them, like Jacques Ray, um, of course, Yoel Romero, uh, who's probably the next fight to happen. Um, and I'll talk about that in a minute, too. Uh, so I think Michael Bisping will lose his. I think Cormier might lose his to Gus, uh, excuse me, not to Gustafson, to Rumble Johnson. Um, Rumble's just machine. I feel like that Rumble might have success, but um, besides that, I think Stipe might be able to hold on to it unless the fight happens with Kane. That's another really close one. I think Stipe might hold on to his two in 2016. I also think Joanna will hold on to hers, and I think Nunez might have a good shot to hold on to hers if she starts fighting a lot smarter in her fights, um, and if she can defeat Ronda Rousey tomorrow night at UFC 207. So I didn't really give a number, but those that's pretty much my rundown of each weight class uh, for what I think is going to be happening in this upcoming year. Yeah, I'm going to give it a rundown too. When you said that Dominic Cruz, if he wins tomorrow, he will be champion in 2017, I agree. So I think Demetrius Johnson, Cruz predicated on the caveat that if he wins tomorrow, let's go down to women's bantamweight. Uh, Amanda Nunes, she fights tomorrow. I think no matter if she beats Ronda or not, she will not have the belt on January 1, 2018. So I'm at two to one 
Featherweight, Jose Aldo does not deserve that belt, but I do think that he will beat Max Holloway. Um, uh, I'll say Jose will keep it. So 3-1, keeping it. Lightweight, Conor McGregor, not going to keep it. He will keep it if he fights Ferguson only next year, but if he fights Habib the Eagle, I think that he loses it. So there I'm at 3-2. Welterweight, Woodley is going to lose that belt to Stephen Thompson, and then Stephen Thompson is going to lose the belt uh, to Damian Maya. Damian Maya is going to be our champion uh, in January 1, so that's 3-3. Three to three. Uh, Middleweight, Michael Bisping is losing that belt to the Soldier of God. Light heavyweight, Daniel Cormier is going to lose no matter if it's Anthony Johnson or Johnny Bones Jones. So that's three to four. Stipe Miocic is keeping that. Is that right? Three to four? Uh, my math isn't good. Stipe Miocic is going to keep that damn belt because I don't think that there's somebody who can his match his hand speed right now in the heavyweight division. So uh, four to four. Woman strawweight, Joanna Joanjacic, uh, she will keep the belt. And women's featherweight will be brand new next year. And I think that Cyborg's the best woman featherweight in the world. She doesn't have the belt, so it doesn't really matter to me. So um, what do I got here? Five to four, keeping belts, I think. I think Five so. to four. Oh, wait, I think there's one more division. I think, is there ten? Am I crazy? One, two. There's, yeah, you left one out, but I can't think of which one it was. Uh, let's see. So... Demetrius Johnson, Dominic Cruz keeping it. Jose Aldo keeping it. Conor McGregor losing it. Tyron Woodley losing it. Michael Bisping losing it. Daniel Cormier losing it. Stephen Miocic keeping it. Yoni Ojechek keeping it. Amanda Nunes losing it. I don't know. Those are my picks there. Let's move into the last award we're giving for 2016, and that is the best MMA or UFC quote of the year. Wesley, I'm going to let you go first. What is your quote of the year oh man it happened on one of the best pay-per-views of i think the 2016 year and that happened to be ufc 205 um man it, it was a crazy crazy you talked about it earlier and we talked about it beforehand but I, I love it every single time i hear anybody say it or when i hear anybody talk about it hello mike <laughs> I, I love it every single time i love you see you soon Boy, that has to go to Yara Romero. The way that he calls out Michael Bisping in that fight, just hysterical. Uh, because we've all known that um, Yoel struggles speaking English. And Yoel's just a, a freaking silly dude. He's always been silly. He has a funny personality, pretty light and funny going. Then he tries to call out Michael Bisping. <laughs> it's just pretty embarrassing. I mean, it's funny. Uh, he tried his best. He was able to say it. Uh, for me, it had to be quote of the year. Uh, just a pretty funny, a pretty funny way to end the card uh, for him in that fight, um, and a pretty funny moment that I'll never forget. Just the way that he was able to call out the champion. That was a hilarious quote. I love every time that that got, that that uh, Yoel, the Soldier of God, gets on the microphone. Even though I don't really enjoy when he, you know, calls out all his religious stuff and whatever but he's he's great on the mic even though he sounds like a trash can talking and uh he doesn't have the best english anyway guys please give this video a thumbs up subscribe to mmamania.com on youtube my quote of the year is conor mcgregor talking to jeremy lil heathen stevens who the fuck is that guy I'm Flying Brian J. You can follow me at Flying Brian J on Twitter. He is Wesley Riddle. You can follow him on Twitter at All That MMA. You can check out my stuff on this YouTube channel at MMA.com, MMAmania.com. You can check out his stuff at MMAsucka.com. And we are out. Namaste.